Foreman with Once Upon a Fan. Love Welcome to our second radio. podcast. Hoping not. Hey, everybody. This is Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan. Welcome to the second podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, you were listening to the show last week, and you must have liked what you heard if you're joining us this week. So I'm joined by my regular co-host, who is Amy, our uh, our evil queen of reviews. Amy, you're with us, yes? Yes. Hello, darlings. Yes, hello. And then I'm also thrilled that we have two other staff members who are joining us today. We have Chris, um, who is our kind of origins author slash random social media maven. Just kind of keeps an eye on social media for us. Chris, you're there, yeah? Yep, hello. Hi. And then we've also got Sam Lee. Sam is our uh, She Makes the Timeline videos that people have seen over the breaks, kind of recapping the history of the show and how we got to where we are and where we're going. Sam, say hi to everybody. Hello, Oncers. All right, here we go. So the first thing we're going to do, obviously, is the weekly news roundup. And uh, Amy, please feel free to uh, jump in here if I am leaving anything out. Um, the first thing that we've got, obviously, is some casting news. So we'll start mm-hmm. with Once Upon a Time. I've uh, got news that Marilyn Manson will be joining the cast as the voice of The Shadow which I actually am pretty excited about. Uh, he's got a fairly creepy voice, and he's a kind of has a creepy persona. So I think it's a good fit. And I also love Marilyn Manson anyway. I think he's a great artist. So I'm very <laughs> excited about that. Amy, how do you feel about this, my love? I like his um, – I was never a huge Marilyn Manson fan. And when I first heard this, I was like, what? But I will say that now that I think about it, I think it's kind of brilliant because – that whole part where he's saying the words the beautiful people in that song is exactly mm-hmm. how I think a creepy, scary, stocky shadow would sound. So, you know, it, that's kind of brilliant on their part to cast him for that. Yeah, I definitely agree, definitely agree. Chris, how do you feel about Marilyn Manson being on? Um, I feel, I don't know, kind of indifferent. I've never been a fan, but um, like, I think he's a great showman, and I think he fits creepy, and he'll do great. Cool. Sam, how about you? Your thoughts? Um, I guess I would have to agree with Chris. I'm not particularly a fan one way or another. I expect the shadow won't have a whole lot to say, so, but, you know, a good creepy voice will work either way. And if he does bust out singing a few Marilyn Manson songs, or if he gets a, that comic <laughs> moment, you know, where he's like the Michigan J. Frog starts dancing and singing. Hello, and my baby. Hello, you. my honey. Yeah. Hello, my Neverland region. Right, yeah. yeah. I love that. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's great. I think it would be great if they worked in some line for the shadow to be like, all of you beautiful people, you beautiful people. It just match the lyrics, but it does a little bit. I think it would be a huge bit. loss if they don't. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, let me see. What else is going on in the world of Once Upon a Time here? Amy, what else do you have for us? They cast Stephen Lord as Rumpel's father. And I'm not yeah, super Rumpel's familiar with coming. him. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not real familiar with him, and I did research him on IMDb, but I had not heard of the couple of shows he's done. I think they may be, uh, like, a few British series that I haven't seen. Not Doctor Who, I probably haven't seen it, it's a British series. But um, he's, what I've read about him, he's, you know, very intense, and they think he's going to be a 
a, a great addition. And Veronica always does fabulous with, you know, the casting director, Veronica Collins, she always does a great job of finding these people. So I have no doubt she'll be fantastic. Yes, indeed. Veronica, she will always find them, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she will always find them. <laughs> always. Well, yeah, so, I mean, she obviously did such a great job with Robbie Kay as Peter Pan that, you know, she's, she, I mean, she knows what she's doing. I'm not just clear. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's see that here. So before we get into discussing, because I do want to discuss Robbie Kay as Peter Pan, but I don't want to get into that yet because we can probably save that for when we talk about the episode. Um, so mm-hmm. next on the news roundup, I kind of want to touch on a few things that are, you know, up close and personal to Once Upon a Fan's Heart. Um, obviously, the first event that we have coming up is in just over a month, which is the Enchanticon convention in Orlando, Florida. Yay! Yay! Um, very, very excited. Um, for everybody who's listening, and you know, you may not know the history of the staff, so I'm just going to kind of go into that a little bit and give some people a little bit of an insight. Um, so, Once Upon a Fan is uh, staffed by people who are actually all over the world. Really, we're kind of international because. Our editor-in-chief, our fearless leader, the big bad boss, Gareth Hughes, uh, lives over in England. And then the rest of us, well, some of us are here in the States. We have, you know, Chris over in Canada, but we can't blame her for that. <laughs> totally just kidding. No. Nothing wrong. I love Don't hold it again. So, um, <laughs> yeah, try not to. So um, the big thing is that a majority of the staff members have never actually met in person. Um, there have been a couple of us who have. I think Teresa and Maury have met. Sam, I think you've met Teresa, haven't you? Yes, I met Teresa too. She seems to be the one that gets around. Yeah, she's, in a she's, good way, she is. Yeah, yeah, in a good way. She's not, you know, she's not the town bike, as it were. So we're no, we, like, we love you, Teresa. We certainly don't mean like that. <laughs> we don't mean like but, get um, around. Yeah, nothing like get around. Yes, no, not at all. Um, but, yeah, so most of, the, most of our staff members have not ever met each other. This trip is for us, you know, in Orlando is kind of a big deal because, um, I mean, we've all developed a pretty decent friendship over the last year, two years that this has been going on. So um, it's really exciting for all of us to get to meet each other and, and, you know, hug and take pictures and things like that. But, obviously, Enchanticon itself, the convention, is – the biggest deal of all. Um, it is a three-day convention that's happening at the Doubletree Hotel, Hotel in Orlando, and it is November 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Um, we can go all three days. Once Upon a Fan will be having a panel on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's for one hour. And we'll kind of just be discussing, you know, the history of the site, everything that's happened from when it began to, you know, a couple of other things. So, um, we're pretty excited about that too. Um, and again, we're all going to get to meet. We'll be talking about you know my trip to Comic Con and a bunch of other stuff, just the history of the site and what it's like to kind of run the the site here. So we're very excited. Hopefully, we will see some of our listeners there. I know we have a few who are confirmed to go. We've got our friend Angela. Um, she's going to be there. Um, got a couple of other people. Our friend Deej is going to be there, though in paper form. <laughs> right, Chris? You want to explain that a little bit? Uh, yeah, um, Gies on Twitter, she uh, lives in the Netherlands, and when she's gone uh, traveling this summer, she would take my picture, because I like to travel too and I'd want to go. She'd glue me to a balloon and take pictures with me, kind of like her version of a flat Stanley. So I made a flat view. 
with her picture, and I'm going to take it to uh, Disney. Which is fantastic. So Deej will be with us. Yeah. And for those of you, um, for anyone who's listening, you may know Deej. She just won the uh, Fan Art Friday from the Once Upon a Time um, Writer's Room. She did an amazing pencil drawing of Lana Priya as uh, oh, Regina okay. when she's wearing the dress with the feathers, and it is one of the best pieces of art I've ever seen like that, to be honest. I mean, I can't, I can't believe she did that from pencil. I mean, it's, it's absolutely she's amazing. amazing. So yeah, yeah, she's Her an amazing artist and stunning. Work. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's outstanding, and she completely deserved it. So congratulations to you, Deej, for winning the the Fan Art Friday because you totally deserve that. Um, Ramping back to the news roundup a little bit here, other than Enchanticon, which obviously we're very excited about, uh, we have a charity event that's going to be going on in December uh, for Stand Up to Cancer. And there will be a lot more details forthcoming on that on onceuponafans.com. So if you would like some more detailed information, you can check it out there. But just for a quick recap, uh, we're basically having like a, an auction event and uh, just buying some raffle tickets and raffling various things off. Uh, we have some, you know, a knit doll from, I think is Laura doing a doll? We have so many things going on, honestly, folks. Yeah. It's hard to keep track yes. of it. Yeah, Laura did a doll. Yeah, Laura did a doll. We've got a bunch of people who are just submitting all kinds of different, you know, art pieces of various forms. Um, really good stuff, really good collectible things that Wonsters would want um, because it's obviously it's created by them, so it's a labor of love. And, you know, from the people who watch the show versus like, you know, merchandising or anything like that. So, you know, very exciting. Um, you know, we, obviously we have a, a big item there, which is the replica of Henry's storybook. Um, if you go to onceuponafans.com, if you look on the, uh, I think it's in the Comic-Con page actually, um, there's a video announcement about it that I did. Um, when I went to Comic-Con, I had a replica of Henry's storybook, and I had all of the cast and the producers of the show sign it. So we've got, you know, Jennifer Morrison, Ginny Goodwin, Josh Dallas, Robert Carlyle. I mean, all the main cast, they signed it, as well as um, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis. So that will be the main item because it's the book, it's the whole cast, signatures. Mm. You definitely would want that. And, you know, we're hoping yeah, to raise a lot lie. of money I for stand-up to cancel, too. So, yeah, I, trust me, I want it, too, and I'm hoping to hold on to it. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, man, this thing is awesome. But it's a really cool item. We really wanted to raise a lot of money for Stand Up to Cancer. We're hoping to beat last year's charity event. Uh, last year we brought in $14,000 for the With Kids Foundation in Scotland. So uh, if you're listening to the show, you're interested in getting any Once Upon a Fan what's, or Once Upon a Time stuff, excuse me, definitely check it out because it's all for a good cause. It's all going to go to you know, help people who are in need. So go ahead and take a look. There's a special link to it on the page. So there we go. Let me see. Oh, our friend Maury is sending in her Cora box. She makes our friend, our staff member uh, Maury. She makes small boxes that are based on characters. So she's sending one in for Cora. One of our guests wants to know if it's going to have a heart in it. I certainly hope not. Um, but if it does, you know, yeah, stuff happens. People lose hearts all the time. So it's yeah. Laura's doll is right. a, a oh. Regina with a, a little knitted heart too. Oh, excellent, excellent. I love her. I, I love everything Laura does. So her dolls are amazing. I have, a, I have an Emma doll. Chris, I know you have like three or four, right? I have Belle, Cinderella, and then I have a, a Sansa from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, 
So there's that. So let me see. Oh, and uh, Maury is one of the ones that everybody knows that there are pictures of the box on the um, her Pinterest Once Upon a Craft, so you can go check that out there. And again, we do have another main page set up on the Once Upon a Fan website for you to check out more details, so go ahead and check that out. All right, so, um, oh, the other thing too, we had a ratings jump a little bit, didn't we, Amy? I think this week the ratings for Once Upon a Time were up from what they were before. They've been staying really strong. Like Adam just actually tweeted today saying that um, once again for the third week in a row, uh, Once Upon a Time is the number one uh, scripted show on Sunday night. So, yeah, they're still going really strong and having a very strong season. Which, you, which is hardly surprising considering how totally awesome this season has been. And so I think that's yeah. a pretty good way to segue into our discussion about this week's episode, which was called Nasty Habits. And mm-hmm. it was, I mean, who wants to go first? <laughs> because there's a lot to cover on this episode. Um, it was obviously there very Rumpel-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, very Rumpel-centric. His history with Neil, his history with Peter Pan. I mean, so many things. So let's just get into that a little bit. So uh, to start with, Rumpel's history with Pan. Let's kind of talk about that because that's kind of been the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, been the issue of all. And it was, you know, they did it so well. So um, in the episode, obviously, um, Pan was revealed to be the Pied Piper. And when he plays his flute, um, the abandoned children all go and kind of hang out with him, kind of Lord of the Flies, didn't you think? It was kind of Lord of the Flies-ish? It was very, yeah, the dancing around the fire thing, the masks and all that was very Lord of the Flies. So that, that was actually one of the first things that came to my mind. And what I loved about him being the Pied Piper is that he played what is called a pan flute. Mm-hmm. It being yeah, you know, Peter yeah. Pan and all, which I thought was nerdy yeah. and cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pan flute music. Was, that was great. I mean, Mark Mark Isham, his score. I mean, that that music for that piece was so haunting, so beautiful. Really, mm-hmm. I was I was actually quite surprised by how much I liked that music, as creepy as it was. I just thought it, it was, yeah, really it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that, Chris? I... Sam, you go. I was just going to say that you know how I'm always trying to put things in time frame that's my geeky thing Um, I thought it was interesting to note that Rumpel did not know that Pan was the Pied Piper until he saw his face you know so whatever whatever history Rumpel had with Pan as Peter Pan as a child um, this new thing of of Peter being the Pied Piper was something new at that point in his life, however long that's been going on. Yeah, yeah that I was think, a very interesting reveal there. Go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing the history there. And it's kind of funny because about a week ago, and this was before this past episode even aired, before we'd seen Nasty Habits, just randomly, we were in the car, and my son, Jacob, who is also a huge Once Upon a Time fan, just out of the blue says, you know what, Mom, I think that Rumpel and Peter Pan were, like, buddies when they were kids. Before he was, you know, Rumpel and the Dark One, and before that kid turned into Peter Pan, that's, you know, that's what I think. And at first, I was like, oh, that's cute, honey, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, huh, wouldn't that be interesting if 
you know, that that betrayal or whatever it is between them really does go back that far. Yeah, yeah. the Rumpel and Peter Pan to have known each other back in the day. Now, I, I, let's yeah. talk about that a little bit because it's a little unclear about what their history is. We're obviously going to learn about that more in the future. But, you know, obviously I was thinking that, you know, Rumpel was once a lost boy, was had been my original mm-hmm. idea from the beginning. But then, you know, obviously Jacob's idea, who is, you know, Jacob's obviously – he nails things. He also just for just for the people who are listening, um, Amy's son Jacob also noticed that Thor's hammer is inside of Rumpel's cabinet in the castle. So you know, got to give props to Jacob for noticing the small things. So yeah, um, he also noticed yeah, it, the genie bottle too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Cyrus's yeah, he, bottle being in there too. So yeah, let's <laughs> just put him to work. It's not a big deal. <laughs> we should. I always tease that he has, I swear, I think he has some kind of inside source he's not telling me about on the Once Upon a Time set because he'll come in and remind me of something. Like, just for example, with that ball that Neil looked in to see that Emma was in Neverland, it was Jacob who reminded me that that was the ball that the Hatter gave to Rumpel back in last season in that episode of The Doctor when he had gone to Oz for him and he made the comment, oh, well, the ruby slippers were being used. I couldn't get them, but I got this. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that's a Man, good what do you think that, about all that? Too. I think that was a great connection there. I'm still leaning my theory right now on Rumpel and Pan as kids is that Rumpel was probably a human child, a ban- you know, with his abandoned feelings. I think Pan was already some kind of version of the magical Peter Pan that he is. I don't think that he was a mortal kid when they were friends. That's my gut feeling that um, he mentioned how boys would visit him in their dreams. And then mm-hmm. when he was the Pied Piper, he was trying to get them to stay with him. So I'm thinking that Rumpel spent time in the Dreamland version to escape his reality. Um, that's my theory. And for whatever reason, they had some kind of falling out, as Rumpel always does with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I like. I mean, I do like that thought. You know. Of, you know. I like that idea a lot, actually, that, which is funny that you bring up the whole dream world because that, that touches on – I'm noticing that with Neverland, I mean, dreaming is getting brought up in pretty much every episode, um, whether it's right. the dream shade or, you know, like Pan saying in his conversation with Rumpel this week that Neverland used to be a place where new dreams were formed and that that is no longer the case. I mean, I thought that mm-hmm. that was the biggest – maybe reveal of what Pan's motivation is for this whole thing. Because, I mean, I mean, are we good? Hmm. should we get into theories right now? Let's get into theories now. Okay, so because my whole thing is with that, like, you know, Belle was talking to Rumpel as, you know, the fantasy version, you know, the vision version of herself, so to speak, acting as Rumpel's right. kind of Jiminy Cricket, you know. And, um and what I thought was so interesting about that is that when Pan said that, you know, children had visited him in the dream world and that he, you know, when they wake up, they leave, my first thought was, well, that's how Belle is talking to Rumpel then. She's asleep. And she's talking right. to him like maybe she's not just a vision. Maybe she's really there in the dream state. I mean, that's maybe crazy. not. Who knows? But 
I just thought that that had to, that that was that, that could possibly be related. And then you know the place where new dreams being formed. Like I think we talked about this last week. Neverland had to have once been this bright, happy, you know, magical place, kind of like the Disney right, film version right. of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously something has happened to change that because you know, from what I can tell. Um, there's no daylight in Neverland. It it hasn't been daytime at all. At least it doesn't seem that way. Maybe it is daylight, but it seems like it's always either nighttime or dusk or something. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I I haven't seen it be daytime at all. And I I think I wonder if whatever that falling out is between Rumple and Peter Pan, if that's what caused that. If whatever the falling out between them is going to end up being what made Neverland into this horrible place that Pan, you know, has been been trapped all this time. Maybe that's why he hates Rumpel so much, because it went from this great place of dreams and imagination, and then whatever it was between the two of them happened, and now it's almost like this prison for him, for everybody, because nobody can leave the island. He's just saying that's why they call it Neverland now, because nobody can never leave the island, but... I think that would be a really interesting twist on it. Yeah. I just want to pull in some comments from the, the uh, chat room here. Um, our editor-in-chief, Gareth Hughes, is actually joining us in the chat room. Hi, Gareth. Uh, can't wait to have you on the show soon. Um, he says, I wondered whether Rumpel's own shadow was his subconscious and was taking the form of Belle. Now, wouldn't, ooh, ooh. Hmm. Hmm. That the, there has to be something going on with that shadow, I tell you. Like, there is so much. I could, okay, I don't want to get too hardcore into a theory here because I don't want to bogart the conversation. So, anyways, we'll and, maybe get to that in just a second. But And really, um, like, the... Yeah, but, Sorry, with um, Belle, like, the version of Belle in Neverland is really, like, the best version of her. Like, that that's Belle mm-hmm. from when he got to know her, not any version of Storybrooke Belle at all. So like right. maybe if it is from his subconscious or any, it's the vision he prefers or he, the one he loves. So maybe she's not dream walking or anything. It's just. Yeah. No, I thought from the beginning, the first time I saw her, I said that she almost seems to me like his, you know, like his conscience, the way Jiminy Cricket is kind of the conscious, for Pinocchio, uh, it seems like he's projecting Belle and she's kind of acting as his conscience as we've seen it in Neverland because she's kind of reminding him that he isn't, you know, slave to these nasty habits and that he can and has chosen the right thing in the past and he can do it again. So it almost And he can make like, choice. Right, right, that he has a choice. And, of course, now that choice is going to be harder because he realizes his son's alive and he has something to live for. So he's got to throw that into the mix. But it seemed like he didn't believe in himself and that was the part of him he was looking to to give him that, you know, affirmation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. It's the whole thing with Rumpel. I mean, I thought there were a couple of things. Um, number one, when he and Neil went to go kill, the, you know, the squid to get the ink, I was mm-hmm. like, well, we're getting a father-son fishing trip. I'm loving it. Like, there is some kind of, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fan- I mean, it was just fantastic. I loved it. But then yeah. I thought it was so interesting when, when Neil, you know, when he said, 
you know, when you put a shell up to your ear, you can hear the ocean. Well, sometimes with some shells, the ocean can hear you. I just thought that was such a cool, I thought it was a cool line of dialogue. But then when he, when he kind of blew the horn and summoned, you know, the squid, I was like, man, like, that's the squid? That's the squid that had the ink that, you know, that yeah. totally froze up, it but it makes sense. Well, it makes sense that the that you know the squid would come. You know, he's at the what do you say? He was at the bottom of a bottomless ocean. Well, of course, Neverland's ocean would be bottomless because it's hanging out in the sky. It doesn't have a bottom, so that totally makes sense. Like I never right. thought about it before, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Nice, so I loved it. I thought that was great. Um, I also thought, you know, what do you guys think about Rumple? You know, his relationship with Neil, like after the prophecy was revealed, because he hadn't told. Neil about the prophecy before Pan brought it up, and then afterwards he right. was still kind of dodging the issue. Like, so when it finally comes down to crunch time, what do you all think is going to happen there? Like, is he going to go through with it, or is his, you know, self-preservation going to kick back into play? What do you all think, Amy? You go first. I don't know. Sometimes when I'm watching, I have to remind myself, like, that I'm a viewer and not to want to grab Neil or whoever is you know, busy berating Rumpel at the time is a shake him because as a viewer, I've seen all this other stuff, so I know his intentions are good, and then I have to remind myself, well, Neil hasn't seen what the viewer has seen, just he only knows this, this, and this about Rumpel. So I try to keep that in mind. I feel like Rumpel could do the right thing if, you know, somebody would consistently give him a chance, but then not believing him, and the way the show writes it, I mean, they really have a right to He's kind of, you know, done this to himself, and it, I feel like if he consistently had people believing in him, and if he would believe that, see, I, I keep seeing that come out with the belief, not just with, like, the fairies, but this thing, too. I feel like if he believes it, that he can do it, and he has those people that believe in him, that then he'll be able to do the right thing. I don't think he's going to die. I still think that the undoing doesn't mean death. I think that means, like, a disillusion of the dark one powers or something along that line yep. i don't think that, that thank you that, but but that's exactly. what i think i think it's going to come down to a belief thing for him unfortunately he still thinks it means that uh henry's going to cause him to kick the bucket so they got to kind of navigate that for right now yeah you know what's so funny is that the family dynamic it seems like i mean for one thing or another they all need each other mm-hmm. to believe in each other and in you know kind of help them believe in themselves, too. Chris, what do you think about this whole thing of, you know, Rumpel and is he going to be able to do the right thing? Um, I really think when it comes down to it, like, he'll have that, all that doubt that he usually has, but he will eventually be able to do the right thing because he's been so set through the last, like, this season and then the end of the finale of last season to do what it takes to get Henry back, even if it means he dies. But like, he only seems to doubt his own intentions now when, when Neil, when Bay questions him, like I saw all throughout this episode where like he's trying, but until his son questions his intentions, like he feels pretty good about what he's doing. So yeah, I think, I yeah. Get, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Cause it's like, as soon as, uh, yeah, I can. That's an interesting point, actually. I never thought about that before. But he does always seem to be, yeah, okay, we're just going to do it this way. And then Neil looks at him like, "What do you mean?" And he's just kind of like, "Oh, well, that was just my best guess. Like, I don't know what to do." 
So that's that's interesting mm-hmm. here. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, Garrett I think is he was definitely he going that, to do the right thing until then. I'm wondering. Yeah, I, I'm really wondering about that too. Gareth is saying on the chat room he thinks that Rumpel might die, but will come back reborn, kind of like Gandalf. Rumpel the White. So I mean, I, so I think obviously that's very interesting to me. Um, I want to know, Sam, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, Rumpel is struggling so hard right now with talking to his, you know, conscience through Belle, and he was so set, so ready to go die until Bay shows up in his face, and it ruined his plans again. Um, I still could see him going almost either way. I think it's, for me, it's equal to whether he will actually sacrifice himself while he's believing that that means death versus go after Henry. I think it's almost 50-50 for me because I think he's got that in him. Um, If it comes to that point where he realizes that undoing means something different, which I don't believe it means death either. I mean, that's too vague, um, way too vague Mm -hmm. what the speaker said there about his undoing. I'm just waiting for episode 11 (laughs) because... They keep saying that's when we're going to see, you know, that we can expect, you know, the big bang before the break. Um, Because I I don't trust Rumpel 100% to do the right thing still. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't think it means that either. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Because, I mean, mean, my, I don't want to, I don't know. Should I get into my theory? Well, I was just thinking, because prophecy, he's even said himself that, you know, it's it's a tricky thing, and it, you know, it's not literal. literal. So undoing could mean just like Amy said, the undoing of the curse, and right. that yeah. would not be a bad thing. So maybe if Henry is this boy, it's his redemption, not his death. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, too, that ultimately Rumpel is the beast. I mean, Rumpel is the beast in Beauty and the Beast. And, and, you know, and, even, you know, and even though they don't necessarily follow the animated versions of these movies, you know, line by line, per se, I really do think that it will end with a similar kind of thing where, you know, he is may possibly mortally wounded. You know, something is happening where he is dying and Belle's true love's kiss will finally remove the curse and, you know, get the Dark One's powers where they need to be, which is, you know, Neverland. Um, the other thing too that I think I can kind of it seems to all be coming together because you know we've got Aurora in the pilot telling Neil that she can walk in the dream world and find people we've got Pan saying that you know children used to visit him in their dreams and then they would you know leave Neverland and then Neverland was the place where new dreams were born Uh, we had Regina in season one in an apple red as blood you know when she's giving Snow the apple she says You'll be in there with nothing but dreams formed of your own regret. And then we've obviously got Dream Shade going on too. So, you know, it makes me wonder if the dream world is where, you know, I mean, not only where Aurora goes to, but if that's, if it's all related, like if Neverland, the dream world, if that's all it, like if Aurora was trying to, to find people in Neverland or something, I don't know. It just all seems to be related since it's all like dreams. 
Uh, it just mm. feels like that. And then with fairies too, believing in fairies and Tink and believing in yourself and Henry is the heart of the truest believer and pixie dust. Like it, I, it, I can see what all the pieces are. I feel like I just can't put them all quite together yet, but it all seems like it's definitely going to lead to something. What do you all think? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I agree. I don't, I think the fairies are completely accepting. I think, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the Wonderland stuff tonight, but after the, this past episode of Wonderland, I think the fairies are realm jumpers the way that the rabbit is, and I don't think they're bound by the same restrictions that most of the people in fairy tale land are. So following right along, we talked a little bit about it last week, about how a lot of us feel like the fairies, especially blue, is kind of up to something. So. Yeah, always up to something. There's something there. And, you know, it's, that's funny, too, that you say that, because um, before we get into Wonderland, there was a fairy that was on Wonderland this week, Silvermist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that there is a fairy in Neverland, there's a fairy in Wonderland, there are fairies in the Enchanted Forest, you know, and, what mm-hmm. Amy, what you said with the fairies being realm jumpers, it really does make one question – when Blue told Bay that that was the like that magic bean was the only way to leave, like, right? I I really question that now because it's like, well, you clearly know something because how like for example, how did Blue get to Neverland to have that conversation with Tinkerbell in the first place, or how did how mm-hmm. did Tinker like? Oh no, wait, that was in the past, though, so she was already there. Never mind, never mind. Right. I'm blanking. So they were in the Enchanted Forest. I'm with it, folks. <laughs> I promise. So uh, yeah. so um, but it it makes you wonder though, like. Well, another thing, too, if Tink didn't have any wings, how did she get to Neverland? Yeah, I mean, how did she get over there? I mean... Yeah, I was going to bring that up just now when you were talking about fairies, because I've seen some comments on the message boards about that as well. How did Tink end up in Neverland after she was disgraced when she also was known there? I mean, Hook knew her as a fairy, uh, I'm supposing it sounded like with wings and magic. So she's been coming and going from Neverland, it seems. Right. Yeah, and it's like, how yeah. does she? How does she do that? And Tink doesn't have any wings. She can't fly. She doesn't have any, pix, you know, pixie dust. Well, so we know of. And yet she got to, you know, oh, maybe she saved maybe some of the pixie can. dust and flew to Neverland. Ooh. Or maybe maybe Pan sent the shadow to get her because he did feel some allegiance to her for something in the past. Mm-hmm. And she did tell Regina that she had taken more than enough pixie dust to show her the way to her true love, which means she had extra. So maybe that's how she got there. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember was... thinking, what is she going to do with that? Because it was it was very specific that she made that point, that she got extra pixie dust, not just what she needed for uh, that trip to show Regina to Robin Hood in the bar. Exactly. Yeah, and, I agree. Like there, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, and Neverland is for those who are, are lost and abandoned and rejected, like the lost boys. And Tink has been disgraced and thrown out. She has nowhere to go. So Neverland would make sense. She's been abandoned. She's oh, Chris, that's so good. I love it. Okay, yeah, yeah that's totally She's true. Also a lost she girl, is. Like she has been abandoned by her family. Oh, that's awesome. True. I mean, well, I mean, She's let me clarify. Girl, it's like not Anna. awesome that she was abandoned by her family, but it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, look, King got abandoned. Great. Who's next? Like, yeah, let's just go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my good gracious. Okay, so let's see. What else happened in this? Oh, I know what else happened in this episode that I want to talk about. So when they got to the scene when they were in the cave, when they found Neil's yeah. cave, uh, you know, the, the uh, you see, where he was, you know, hanging out when he was a kid, and there were the drawings of the darlings in their house, you know, on the wall. I thought yeah. that was so heartbreaking, really, because I for Neil, really like, sad. those people are dead. Like, everybody Neil has ever known is gone except for his dad. And I just suddenly felt really, really bad for him that, you know, mm-hmm. he's had, I mean, really, kind of like with Emma, he and Emma have such a parallel history as far as, you know, being sent to other worlds by their parents. You know, one, I mean, obviously, Emma was sent to save everybody, but Neil was a just, the Wuppel just let him go, and there wasn't really – it was to serve his own interests instead of Snow and Charming, you know, trying to save everybody else. So I right. find it such an interesting parallel and yet a contrast between the two of their characters that, you know, no wonder it makes sense why they're together. But um, that scene in the cave when we saw, you know – what did you guys think of that? I mean, it was pretty sad. What do you think? Chris, you go first. I thought it was really sad and, and sweet to see like have that inside or insight into um, teenage bay and um i loved regina's comment about uh, him making a lot of pasta but uh yeah i really liked yeah, i really yeah. liked the the star map that he made i thought that was really beautiful and mm. i don't know it's just kind of sad to see his history drawn in chalk all over the walls i agree sam what do you think I was thinking that you're, this is making me sad as we talk about it. Um, I thought it I, yeah, the drawings are really good. I still have to go back and uh, freeze frame and take some closer look at some of them. But it was pretty. It was obviously the drawings of the darlings in their house, and um, his star map was very interesting. And I have to bring up that Teresa has been mentioning on the chat room that that was very Battlestar Galactica. I did not watch that show, so other people might have reference um, to the special coconut star map that he made. And uh, I just poor little poor little Bay living in that cave, still abandoned, but at the same time very resourceful, um, taking care of himself and finding out how to get away from Neverland. Now the twist. Did Pan really let him go, or did he escape? As you know, Pan hinted that maybe he let Bay go because mm-hmm. perhaps he wanted Bay to go out in the world and create the truest believer. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that point because I am fully in the belief that the dark powers are from Neverland, and Pan wants them back. And so the only way that he can get them back is. For Henry to come, believe in magic, believe in everything, and turn Neverland back into the dream place that it used to be. I mean, that's, I mean, ultimately, because, you know, I mean, we've got a bunch of shadows running around. You, we can see clearly that you can cut your own shadow off because Rumpel did it in the second episode of the mm-hmm. season. So You might have you know, to have a very magical to, dagger to do that, though. <laughs> it might take well, a very exactly, special tool. Well, well if, if the dagger belonged to Pan in the first place, then that would make sense. Because you know, I was watching the animated movie, and Pan does have you know, a dagger with him, and he's always carrying it. That's what yeah. he fights Hook with. And he right. may have a dagger running around this season. I haven't actually really noticed one. 
And so I'm wondering, you know, what is that Pam's dagger? Like, is that the whole thing? Like, did he, you know, did he cut his own shadow off? Did somebody else cut his shadow off and do it? I mean, it's a, it's a huge, I swear to God, it has to be true. Anyways, I don't want to harp on that. I don't want to bogart it. So, um, <laughs> but that is what I think. Like, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that that has something to do with it. So, um, so yeah. Does anybody have any other thoughts on this before we move on to another subject? I just want to say that I think those drawings, uh, they they are very sad. I think they were pieces of memories for him, but I don't think that that's all they are. I think that the coconut pasta strainer map is going to <laughs> somehow, those stars are going to line up. Like he's going to have to, because I noticed on one of the darling windows, it looked almost like a, an asterisk or a, a star drawn over it. I think you have to line up one of those stars with that window, and then the map can be read. I think that's what's going to happen. But Oh, my God. That is I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to mention, too, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but Jenny tweeted that the whole time they were doing that scene when they were all off camera, that Lana and the rest of them all kept singing the Lime in the Coconut song. <laughs> So when we saw yeah. that scene, yeah. that's all I could think about was the Lion and the Coconut song. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, the the what do you call it, Sam? The Coconut Star Map, like the newest app from <laughs> from Google Maps. Yeah, everyone. the Coconut, coconut Star, star Map. Like, yeah, it's a map. <laughs> it's a exactly. calendar. You know? It's a nightlight. That is a good oh, point. Oh yeah, it's a calendar. It's a nightlight. It's a map. You know, it it cooks Julian Price <laughs> even. You never know. It does everything. Yeah. But Emma said it was a map to home, and they felt like the darlings were home, so that would make sense, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, I thought that that was so sad, which, of course, and then right after that scene, when Emma got all upset and went outside, I was just like, I'm Mm. pissed. Like, I'm not sad, I'm pissed off, because he loved me, and I didn't know, and then I see him, and then he dies, like, you know, I thought that that was obviously heartbreaking. She's going through, I find it her, I mean, of course, I'm going to talk about Emma. I find it so interesting that she's, you know, she's finding out more about Neil as they're going through Neverland because, you know, as I'm imagining, you know, when Hook is telling her, you know, he and I spent some time together, and that look on her face, I'm imagining the conversations that she and Neil had when they were together when she was younger. And, you know, if they ever talked about, you know, her past and his past and what he told her, like what was the story that he told her back then to cover all that? And then, you know, so as she sits there and learns more and more about Neil, and you can tell she's falling more and more back in love with him is with everything she finds out, that, you know, I mean, it's just, like, she's finally learning the history of her true love, and it's, I mean, it mirrors her so much that, oh, God, I just love it so much. Everybody writing the show, I love you guys. You do a fabulous job. This is the best show on TV, I swear to God. Anyways, so um, (laughs) that was my my little fanboy moment So there. So we are already 45 minutes into this episode of our podcast, if you can believe that. So we're about halfway through. And I do want to make sure that we get into talking about Wonderland because um, we need to make sure that we talk about that. So did everybody watch Wonderland last week? Yes. All right. So, of course, it was kind of a – it was – and, you know, I mentioned last week that it seemed like the first and second episode of Once Upon a Time functioned as a two-part pilot. And I was wondering whether or not, you know, the second episode of Wonderland would be the same. And it really, it really did. I watched, actually watched the first episode and the second episode back to back. 
and they go with each other so well. I mean, it, I really think it works much better if you watch the two of them together. Um, right. Because they bring up things from the first episode and the second episode. So um, there's a lot to cover on Wonderland 2. Um, who wants to get started on that? Anybody? Amy, you want to go? You are yeah, our Alice in Wonderland expert. That's true. I am the Alice in Wonderland freak. I love this <laughs> episode. I thought, again, with the little clever details, it was so good. That was one thing I talked about last week. And after seeing this episode, I have a theory now, and I kind of wanted to watch one more episode, but I'm pretty sure that what I think is going on is probably what's going on. So I'm really excited now. I always get excited when I, like, have a theory and then I want to see if it plays out or not. That was one of the big things for me when one first started was the theories. So mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. a little more insight into some stuff. And Jafar is just so wicked and evil. I don't even think he has another side. <laughs> I think he's just terrible and evil and a total jerk, but I love that because Naveen plays it so good. Yeah, no, I, I think agree. There's like, a his side. scenes between him and Angela Ruby are great. Go ahead, Chris. I, I disagree. I think there is a different side to Jafar because I, you don't really see it yet, but there's no, there's no villain in the once world that is just black or white, you know, or mm-hmm. black rather in this case. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sam, what do you what do you think about the episode of Wonderland? I I want to I had listened to um, Jane Espenson talk last week or the week before about the episode coming up and saying that it was going to really build the romance between Cyrus and Alice, and I think it really did that because that was what was really lacking in the first episode was really understanding how much in love they were with each other. And I think the second episode really did bring that out and make it um, a true, believable love romance there that they're both willing to fight for so hard. Yes, and then there's that fabulous quote now from the very end when she's reading the end of his letter and he signs it, forever thine, forever mine. Oh my god, that is so romantic. Oh my god, like seriously, it just played at my heartstrings, like all of them. I actually tweeted that to uh, Sophie, who plays Alice. I said, okay, somebody needs to put that quote on a t-shirt. And she tweeted me back in all caps. She's like, I want that t-shirt. So that that seems to be the quote everybody's latched on to. Between that and the knave asking about a Care Bear. You know, why would anybody go visit a country oh unless you were a Care Bear? <laughs> that was, I was so. Crying, that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually. Yeah, yeah like, I was. I was laughing bear? at that. That was so funny. Yes. And then the other thing. So I want to kind of go through the episode. Kind of, I made a couple of notes while I was watching on different things that we could talk about with this because I really like Wonderland. I got to say, um, I do want to, you know, acknowledge the fact that it hasn't necessarily had the ratings maybe that everyone was looking for because of the time slot that it's up against. But I really encourage everybody listening to the show, if you haven't watched Wonderland yet, Gabriel in the chat room, I see you there. You mentioned you haven't started watching it yet. I really do encourage everybody to give it a chance because it, it obviously is going to go somewhere. It has a lot of potential, and I don't think that they have revealed everything that this show is going to be about yet. I think it's got a good standing chance. So you know, give it a shot if you haven't watched it yet. Um, so going through here, I thought the look of Agrabah, well, what I assume was Agrabah, was yeah. awesome because, um, well, it did say many years ago in Agrabah, so it was. 
Um, as far as the look of the, the palace and everything, I really, I mean, it was different. It didn't look like the Disney animated movie. It looked a little bit more realistic, um, something that could actually have been built, because I don't know about you all, but the castle from the animated movie is a little, um, I wonder how they made it. I mean, it's dumb for me to question that kind of thing in a cartoon, but I do wonder about physics and that kind of thing. So um, I really liked the look of it. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, what did everybody think of Agrabah? You guys like it? Do we, were we expecting something different? I think they did a really great job on it. I mean, I always, I'm a huge Disney freak, too. I'm sure anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that. Um, but I, so I loved the original Aladdin. But I think that even though it was different, it was very realistic. And I think they did a really great job with that set. I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Chris, what did you think, Belle? Um, I didn't really think anything of it. it uh, there was a lot more grass around uh, the city than I expected. I thought there would be a lot more sand. <laughs> and, but I, I'd have to see more of it, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see more. Cool. Sam, what about you? What do you think? Do you like Agrabah? Uh, yeah, I was just laughing at the grass. But, you know, it's not all <laughs> sand there where people actually live in the Middle East, I guess. Um, I just get very distracted by Naveen Andrews every time uh, the show comes on. So I, I don't notice all the scenery sometimes. <laughs> Who needs scenery? Well, we're noticing the, yeah. we're noticing the, the, uh, the, the eye candy scenery more than perhaps the, uh, the setting of things. Yes, I can understand that. <laughs> all right. A um, couple of other notes that I have here about Wonderland. I am loving Alice's um, af- um, affinity for purple. Um, shocker, I know. Yeah. But she had yeah, that fabulous purple vest that. on. I mean, her the vest is freaking awesome. I love it. It's so cute. Like, it's just so cute. It, it's just adorable. And then, you know what was so funny is that she has that vest on, and when it's in the flashback to her and Cyrus, she has, like, a tiny purple ribbon in her hair. And I just thought that was so such a cool play that like when she's the innocent kind of, well not innocent, but when she's more of in the love story aspect of it, her and Cyrus getting together, it's a little bit more innocent. Mm-hmm. Her hair, her dress kind of reflects that and there's nice right. ribbon in her hair. But then when she's in, you know, the, the current time and she's like, I'm going to kick everyone's ass so that I can get my man back. She's got the tough leather <laughs> purple vest on again. I just, I love yeah, that, the that, that the, her and, character, yeah. yeah, I love that her character attitude is being reflected in her clothes and the way that, you know, her hair looks. I'm loving that, loving it. Um, yeah. Let me see, Eddie, Ed, Eduardo, Eduardo Castro, you are doing an amazing job, as always, with the costumes, because the Red Queen's dresses, just have to oh. talk about them for a second, because they are fabulous. They are so fabulous. They're gorgeous. I'm loving yes. everything that she wears. I can't wait for her I to come on the screen, all. actually. Just to... Yes. They're, I mean, well, I, I can't necessarily say that, but they are pretty cute, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I always get mesmerized by the back of her updo, the way the hair is crisscrossed. <laughs> Mine, well, me too. She does have great hair, that's for sure. She also yeah. has great yeah, hair. Yeah, she does. And, you know, i got to say, I mean, be... the red... Amy, you go. So I was just going to say, I think, no, I was just going to say, I think she's going to turn out to be one of the really bright spots of the whole series. In the first episode, we really didn't get, so I think I know what her deal is now, and I really like her more because of it, and mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to what everybody thinks, you know, her and Jafar are really up to, because I, I 
was thinking about not spilling my theory, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell all of you people because I love you. But um, I think she's going to end up being one of the really great things about this series. Yeah, I I agree. I think the red quit for me. I mean, I'm I'm actually loving every member of the cast. I'm I really like all of their characters. The standouts to me are obviously Michael Saka as the Knave of Hearts. Um, oh, he's amazing. He needs to he he like I really hope that there is a way for him to cross over to Once Upon a Time. I really hope he appears in some of those episodes in the past um, because I I I want more of his character. He's got fantastic right. comedic timing. His character is interesting. His whole history with you know Silvermist the fairy and whoever this woman Anastasia is from his past. You know, I, I think that there's a lot to the knave, and I think that Michael Saka's performance of the knave is just, I think it's brilliant, really. I mean, I do. He's doing such a good job that I really just want to see him over and over again. Um, I love right. and I think they could do it. Alice, too, yeah. Go ahead, Amy. I was just going to think, I think they totally could do it with more crossover with him because of who we're going to find out his other side is in this upcoming episode. You know, he has that fairy tale personality side too, and you know, a lot of these characters yeah. cross over. So I definitely think that we could see more of him in the mother show once upon a time. Yeah, I agree. Like, okay, so we're we're, <laughs> we're running out of time here because we got to open it up for callers to call in here soon. So I'm um, getting back to Alice's purple vest. The clothes horse came by. And gave her the clothes. <laughs> and then I love I love when the name was like any chance of a coffee horse. I, I was like, yeah. this this, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is just hilarious. Um, again, when I he said what's a what the care bear, that was funny. Go ahead. And oh yeah, the rocking horses. Yeah, rocking mm-hmm, horse yeah. flies. Right. We need. Well, yeah, I want to see some. No, it's the dragonflies. We're actual dragons. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Was, I love that. I'm that was really, that was so cool. I just think it's fabulous the way they're carrying over all the puns into, you know, the living puns that you find around Wonderland. Those are just fun every week. Yes. Yeah, like the dandelion, and it was like a lion. Oh, my God, yeah, I, I loved, loved it. I love the dandelion. Yes, he was fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, like I need cool. a dandelion. Like, and, yeah. the, of course, and also the, too, the fairy across the lake. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was a real. Yeah, the, yeah, we got to take the fairy. That was, and then of course there's the mock turtle who was right there, which I was like, that's, I love it. I'm love, I'm I loving really every upset second of that when too. She stabbed him. Oh yeah, yeah that she was, was a little. She wasn't like poor turtle. turtle. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> so, I'm like, he's just sleeping. Leave the I love it. <laughs> Let me see what else. I have a few other notes here. Oh, so um. Oh, speaking of the fairy, they summoned her by clapping. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah. Believe in fairies that. so you clap. I loved it. And I loved that it was playing right in, you know, I mean, it made me think, obviously, of Once Upon a Time being in Neverland and Peter Pan and everything. Like, I just love how they that went back and forth with that. Um, so one thing that I do want to talk about, too, which because I, I found this very interesting. When the Red Queen is talking to Jafar, she says, I took this throne. I took Wonderland. I really want to know more about that. I mean, obviously, we'll find out about it, but that is probably one of the biggest questions that I have now is, mm-hmm. is that. Like, I mean, I really, I really want to know what that is about. What did, you, what did you all think about that line? What are your thoughts? I think she, from, um, I'm guessing either the White Queen, and I know Chris mentioned, too, that she's wondering if 
the Red Queen has a sister who's the White Queen. And so I think she either means that she took it from the White Queen or she took it from Cora, who's the Queen of Hearts. But she's, we, when she was first talking to Jafar, asking him if he could do what he promised he was going to do when they had finished this plan, she asked him, Can you, will you really be able to do it? Will you be able to change the laws of magic? And the things that they mentioned were about, you know, the laws of magic Cyrus talked about, not being able to bring anyone back from the dead, not changing the past, yada, yada. So I think that her, that's her whole end game. She either wants to make someone love her again or she wants to bring someone back. But also um, I think we're going to find out that her first name is Anastasia. And that she is the the knave of hearts love. I love that idea. I really do. Yes, my first theory about that, which there there is no basis for this whatsoever. But my my first thought on the Red Queen and her whole thing was, wouldn't it be interesting if she was Jefferson, the Mad Hatter's wife? And like ah. when they lived in the Enchanted Forest, she left Jefferson to go be queen in Wonderland, and that's what he meant when he told, you know, Emma or Regina rather that. You know, his grace had already lost her mother. He didn't want her to lose him, too. My first thought was, well, I wonder if the Red Queen ditched him for Wonderland, and that's what that's all about. And then when he went to Wonderland, they had to deal with that whole history. But I'm actually liking your idea better, Amy, that, that she is the name's <laughs> love. I, I, think that that, <laughs> I actually like that a lot better. So I'm, I'm all for that idea. I like it. Um, let me see. Sam, what do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm. I haven't developed any real theories about what Jafar's or the Red Queen's purposes are, and I'd be interested to see who she says she took Wonderland from, because Cora left on her own terms when she left with Hook. Now, whether she right. was really the queen of the whole land when Cora left, you know, or maybe she was only a queen of one corner of Wonderland, we don't know, but we do know that she left. And as people have been pointing out, you know, it, in through the looking glass, it's the red queen and the white queen. So mm-hmm. maybe we are looking for a future, a white queen somewhere that is her real nemesis. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just so much that it could, I mean, there's so many places that it could go. It's crazy. Um, there's this, yeah, there's, oh my God. Okay, we're running out of time too. We need this. Make sure we have enough time to talk about everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so the four laws of magic that were mentioned um, that they cannot change were there's no killing, there's no changing the past, there is no bringing anyone back from the dead, and there is no making anybody fall in love. And that actually, some of that played into um, something that Alice was talking about, and I'm, I'm wondering about it, because changing the past, restoring the dead, falling in love, Towards the end of the episode, Alice is talking about her father and her father moving on from her. Yeah, and, yeah that he moved on and her, her. And her mother, and also she mentioned that her mother had passed away. And I'm really mm-hmm. wondering Jafar's appeal to Alice will have to do with bringing her, either bringing her mother back or having something to do with her father. Like, it really made me question Making that. Because, they, yeah. because you, don't, you don't just mention something like that, like that somebody is dead in an episode where they're talking about magic bringing people back from the dead. I mean, that, in my opinion, you just, you, there's a reason for that. There's got to be. Right. So, 
I mean, I thought that was, and also I thought it revealed a lot more about Alice's history that I wasn't really expecting to hear that, you know, it seems like she has a really troubled relationship with her father. I mean, obviously, and I'm, I'm anxious. I'm curious as it were to see what's going to happen with that. Curiouser and curiouser. So Hmm. I'm just, yeah, I'm wondering about that. So let me see here. Um, The knave owes the caterpillar something. I find that to be very interesting as well. I want to know what that's all about. Really, guys, I just want to know everything about the show. Can you just, like, can we just air the whole thing in one, like, epic Lord of the Rings-style marathon where we're just sitting on our backs yes. for hours watching it? Oh, anyway, that's, that's, yeah. I, and, you know, I think that's a point that viewers who haven't tuned in or been reluctant to tune in should realize that this Wonderland is really more like a mini-series. It'll have a beginning, middle, and end through this run. And so it's not like yeah. you're, you know, it's, it's fun to invest in it for the time that it's on, and, you know, it's worth the try. It really, yeah, it really is. Because, I mean, there's, and one, another one of the standouts of the show, I think, is John Lithgow as the White Rabbit. I love the rabbit. I, I really want, amazing. I didn't, I would, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I just wasn't expecting to like the the rabbit so much, and he obviously has so much history too because, you know, the Red Queen mentioned that you know she's obviously got something over him, right? Or he wouldn't be doing everything mm-hmm. he, she tells him to do. And then right. later on at the end of the episode, when it shows that he he saw them bury the bottle, he says, "Sorry, I'm late, honey." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, the Red Queen has the White Rabbit's wife, and that's why right. he's doing everything." He's got a honey oh honey my somewhere that's locked up. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, everybody is locked up in Wonderland. Jafar's got people locked up. The Queen's got, I mean, it's, she, they're worse than Regina almost. The only person we saw her locked up was Belle because she just kills everybody else. So, I mean, it's horrible. So, let me see here. Um, yeah. Oh, we're also going to get a lost reunion coming up on Wonderland, too. Yeah, Amy, do you want to get into that? Because we didn't really do the news roundup for Wonderland. What do you, you've got casting news for us, right? Um. I just know that, I'm, and I'm probably going to destroy her name, but Zulika Robinson is has been cast to play Amara on Wonderland in the episode that airs November 7th to be a very Jafar-centric episode. We're supposed to get a lot of his backstory in that. Um, and she actually was in Lost with Naveen before. Um, I'm trying to, her name is escaping me. I think she played Ileana on that show, but they, those two starred on Lost together, and now she's going to be starring as Amara, a sorceress who teaches Jafar magic. So I think that's, I always like that when they pull in people from, you know, that have starred in other things together, especially when it was a show that I like. Um, I love to see them as new characters and interacting. I always think that's, that's really interesting. So I'm definitely interested to see that episode on November 7th. And definitely, I agree with what you said. Anybody that hasn't watched it yet, it is just a one-season show, and it's it's almost like a miniseries. And I honestly like the second episode even more than I liked the first episode. So there's oh, crossovers, I completely there's agree. Easter eggs. I completely agree. Yeah, I think that anybody that starts it would, I think it, it's definitely worth giving it a watch, especially for fans of one, because there is, I mean, right off the bat in the first episode, you had a storybook issue, you know, crossovers. So we got a lot, there's a lot of crossover going on. It's going to be 
some character crossover too. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but um, there's also some right. character crossover next week. So I think we're going to see that throughout it. So I think the show is definitely something that our viewers would like and that they could really get into. And it's only, like I said, one season. It is almost like a mini series, and episode two yes. was so good. So yeah, it really was. I yeah, and I want to I want to uh, comment on that too for everybody who hasn't watched Wonderland yet. Because it is a miniseries. It is going to have a beginning, middle, and an end. There isn't necessarily going to be a second season that will continue from the storyline that they're giving us now. But what is possible is that if, you know, if Wonderland can you know, get its shot, and people, you know, if everyone gives it a chance, because it does deserve one, it's a good show, then we might get more Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which has nothing to do with the current storyline. They, you know, they might do new villains. It would be a whole, totally different thing. So it's not going right. to be it's own, it's kind of it's kind of like the original Alice stories. The original Alice in Wonderland stories are just kind of a series of events that happen. They're not necessarily. So, I mean, some of them are intertwined, but some of them are also aren't connected at all. And so, right. as, and there's a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of non, you know nonsense and stuff. But you know, if we can get that, you know, there's also a possibility. You know, I mean, Wonderland isn't the only place that we could go, you know, there's always an option, you know, Oz, it clearly exists, they've made enough references to it, so, you know, we could potentially someday get Once Upon a Time in Oz, or, you know, I mean, Dr. Whale's World, you know, The Land Without Color, we could get something out of that, I mean, there's a lot of potential for all of this, and I just really, I mean, I'm excited about it, and it makes me sad that aren't, there aren't as many people watching Wonderland, because I, I do think it's a good show, I do think it has a lot of potential I like it a lot. Um, Lori right. from the uh, our Once Upon a Fan staff, she was in the chat room, and she mentioned earlier that, you know, Wonderland is kind of, it's more of a fun story, and it doesn't have the emotional dynamics that it plays on the audience the way Once Upon a Time does. You don't necessarily have to get heavily involved, heavily invested in the characters. If you do, that's good. But enjoy it. Just, I mean, it's a good show for crying out loud. I mean, I I really like Wonderland. I'm I'm kind of surprised at how much I do. It's it's right up there with once for me. So everybody should give Wonderland a shot. It's really good. DVR it. Watch it on Hulu. Just watch it because it's good. It's really awesome. It's fun. All right. So I'm going to open up Adam the phone tweeted. line. Oh. Oh, so I was just going to mention at the end of what you said that Adam tweeted uh, yesterday. He responded to one of my tweets and said that. He is currently working on episode 10, the script, for Wonderland, and they are filming, I believe he said episode 7 or 8 right now. I think he said 8, so Dory already told they're moving forward from there. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot, there's so many places that it could go. And, you know, I mean, Wonderland's obviously going to have its, its full run if he's working on that script. I'm really, I'm really excited for where this is going to go. I, I really think that there is so much more to the Wonderland story than they can kind of hint at yet. With Once Upon a Time, it was different. They were setting up really huge stakes because the fate of an entire world was really in jeopardy, and Emma had to go save everyone. You know, those are really right. big, you know, epic stakes. The thing about Wonderland is that the fact that it is a smaller story, you know, that's contained just to a few characters trying to you know, interact with each other, get one up on each other, or what have you, it, it almost makes it easier to follow what's going on because there isn't as much going on. So it's not, that, it's not as hard to, to get 
into. I mean, I I don't know. I really like Wonderland. I want it to succeed. So I really want everyone to give it a shot if they can because it's totally worth it. Yeah. So there we go. Let me see. So let me see. Let's open up the phone lines now. We do have a caller who's on hold, so I'm going to bring them on the line and see who this is. Hello, you're on the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Who's this? Are you there? Maybe not. Sorry, guys. Apparently, we do not have a call right now. My bad. So, um, <laughs> so um, let's go back to Once Upon a Time then, since we kind of have talked one to end a little bit as we wait for more people to call in. If you want to call into the show, by the way, the number is 347-677-1653. And I'll say that again. 347-677-1653. We'd love to chat. Um, you know, see what other people are thinking out there who are listening. You know, what are your thoughts on everything that we're talking about? Um, so now that I've said the number to the show, I do want to go back to Once Upon a Time because there's a little bit more that we could get into on that, I think, and we've still got some time while we wait for people to call in. So um, um, let me see here. I've got a note. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. I'm looking for my notes. Just talk amongst yourselves. Not a big deal. Okay, so. I'm looking at the chat. <laughs> right, so. I'm looking in the chat. But <laughs> I am. That's yeah, that's what I've been doing comments. too. Oh, okay. oh, that was the other thing I want to talk about with Once Upon a Time. When Snow White wanted so badly to comfort Emma and didn't know how to do it or what to do, you know, I mean, we're really getting a lot of the mother-daughter relationship this season, which is fantastic. Um, Jennifer Morrison did a really good interview um, at New York Comic Con where she told, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I can't remember who it was with. Oh, please don't kill me. Um, she told one of the uh, the media outlets that were there that, um, you know, her relationship with Charming with her dad is a little different than with Snow because Emma and Charming have an understanding and that Emma's, um, her relationship with her father, their personalities, they're basically the same. They're much more similar so they have an understanding versus, you know, Snow and Emma trying to figure out their mother-daughter relationship. So what did everybody think of that? of that, you know, as we further develop the Charming family here, what did everybody think about, you know, that little brief moment where Snow couldn't comfort her? And then also her words to Charming about if he ever died, she wouldn't be able to move on when when he's, you know, dying. Sam, what do you think about that? I think that Charming needs to man up and tell him what's going on. And as for him dying, I mean, seriously, I don't really believe that Prince Charming is going to die um, right now, but you do never know. I just feel like if the Lost Boys are playing with this Dream Shade stuff all this time, there must be some kind of cure for it, unless Peter is that callous that he just doesn't care about all the accidental deaths that happen when they're messing around with the Dream Shade. And I thought it was very interesting that Hook is now going up to Charming and kind of doing what characters do to each other all the time on Once Upon a Time, which is remind them of who they really are, where he's telling Charming, you should be the one who's open and honest. You are a hero. Don't you always have hope? You know, and, and here's Hook giving this advice to Charming, who's you know, keeping this secret of his you know, injury and his death to himself, and it's hurting him. It's not turning him into dumb David that we used to know, but it's, it's not. He's not the charming that we're used to either. Yeah, so easy. Even David, no one can do it. Yeah, that. Okay. Um, 
So, um, yeah, that. Because you know what I find so interesting is that Charming is not being so charming right now. I don't like the fact that he's not telling his wife the truth. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in his justification. I, don't, I think that he should tell her because, 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 remember in the second season, it might have even been We Are Both, or it might have been um, um, the episode where he's looking for Belle. God, I think it was the fourth episode of the second season. Sorry, everyone, I can't remember. Was it The Crocodile? When he's looking for Belle? After her dad, like, had Smee kidnap her and all that stuff. I think it was. Anyways, when Rumpel is yeah. walking around and he's talking to Charming, yeah. Charming says the there's a difference died. between being truthful and honesty of the heart. And Charming mm-hmm. is not per- bringing forward the honesty of the heart. He's just not. He's lying to his wife. He's lying to his kid. He's lying to everybody. And I really, well, he's I'm not even wondering. Doing either. He's flat out lying. I hope he feels super guilty after what Snow said to him. I really do. Without not being able to I go hope he felt guilty. Thing. He should feel guilty. He's lying to her. Right. Exactly. I loved what they did so, with I'm, Emma's character this week though. I don't really think it would be bad that's such a bad thing to say goodbye to Prince Charming, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, of course not. What uh, what did you say, Amy? What was that last bit? I was just saying that I really liked what they did with Emma's character this week. I like that mm. they're not writing that all, you know, all is well and she's happy and loves her mommy and daddy and they're all back together now and that's fine. Because if I was in her position, I would be pissed too. I wouldn't just be mad oh, about yeah, totally. you know, losing Neil. I would be mad about, yes, this was their probably their best option to give her up, but still it's not fair that that had to happen to her and you know yeah. it, it, we shouldn't expect her or I don't expect her to suddenly be okay with that and I'm glad that they're not writing her that way I'm glad that they're starting to really get to this huge amount of pent-up emotions that she's had for 28 years I mean 28 years of thinking she was unloved and didn't matter and that nobody wanted her and she was never going to have a home and that she was wanted her parents so bad. She said in that episode, Lost Girl, that she cried herself to sleep every night, you know, for years. And then having all that background, and then the things that happened between her and Neofire, where she thought that this man who's the love of her life had abandoned her, left her to take the blame, and this is the person she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with. She thought that was, this man was, you know, her soulmate. And, yes, now she knows that that wasn't true, that everything she believed, but she still has all the years that she believed these things, and she felt this mm-hmm. way. And it's not easy to get over. I'm sure everybody's been through something, and even at the end of it, when you're kind of beyond it, you I mean, it's not that easy to just get over something big like that. It still is very raw, and I'm glad that they're writing Emma that way, where she, mm-hmm. I mean, I know she... She, I know she forgives them, but I think she's still, and she wants to be a family, but I feel like she still is very hurt by that. She's still a little lost, hurt girl, and it's going to take yep. a journey for her to get to, you know, this yeah. complete family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think I think along these lines, what I was thinking about with that scene with Emma was, in season one and season two, we spent a lot of time talk, getting Emma to believe. Emma had to believe. 
And even though season three, we're in Neverland where we're talking about belief, the thing that everyone is talking about now, whether it's Rumpel and Bay and Neil and Emma, is people are having to trust each other. It's believing in the people around you so that you can trust them. And I think that this walk through the jungle with Emma and the others, it's almost like a giant trust walk through the jungle. Yeah. As they're learning, yeah. Yeah, they're learning to trust each other. It's that kind of belief in the people around you that you can trust them to take care of you, to not abandon you, and all those things that these characters have gone through. Emma's being abandoned, Neil being abandoned, Rumpel being abandoned, you know, Henry feeling lost and, uh, you know, alone. So it's, mm -hmm. I think that this theme of the trust in the people around you and, and the belief in those people is what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's, I want to I touch on that for real quick, too. It's like they're, they're now... They're going from being enemies and fighting and all that to learning how to be a family is really what's happening. Like with what you just said, learning to trust each other, believe in each other, depend on each other. They're, now that they all know that they're one big family, they're now having to go through the growing pains of discovering what that means, especially with all of their history and everything. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that was the thought that just occurred to me while you were talking, is that that's, right. that's what's happening here. They're having to rebuild everything that they know as a family for Henry. And it's almost like if they, can, if they can believe and trust in each other as a family, maybe that is what will get Henry to, you know, go with them again. Because one thing we need to talk about really quick is the ending of the episode where Henry hears the music. Because he did not hear it at first, and then he heard the music. And so, you know, Dan there's a debate, you know, did, did he really hear it? Is he, is he faking it so he can outwit Pan? There's a bunch of options there. What do you guys think? Amy, go ahead. I don't think Pan was actually playing it the first time he blew it on the, the instrument. I think that, yeah, Pan is totally full of crap. See, <laughs> they agree with me in the chat room. I don't think he was actually playing it the first time when Henry couldn't hear it, quote, unquote, and then mm -hmm. he was playing mm -hmm. it the last time. Now, I want, I think... You know, that's his goal, too. Right now, Henry doesn't feel abandoned, so that wouldn't make sense that he suddenly heard this. You know, maybe this is not the magical instrument and it's something else, but I think, you know, it's his, it's Tan's goal to convince Henry that, yes, he's abandoned and he's better off here with them. So right now, he still believes very strongly that his family is coming for him, and he, you know, he still is the truest believer. So I don't think, mm -hmm. I think Pan is just playing him. This is all a huge game for Pan. And that's one of the things I love, too. Both these series, Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland right now, are playing with the concept of uh, one of the villains is talking about setting up pieces in a game. It's the Red Queen in yeah. that episode in the other series, and Pan in this one. And I think that is Pan's game. His game is to convince this kid, Henry, that he's unloved and unwanted. And I don't think that, I think that, you know, he played it and then probably next week he's going to say, oh, well, you couldn't have heard that if your parents hadn't abandoned you and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's where he's going. But that kid playing Pan, he, I'm sure he is lovely in real life, you know, probably just 
the nicest kid ever, but Robbie K. But he is creepy is as hell as Peter Pan. Oh, my God. Hell. Yeah, oh, that he's, boy, yeah. He's a little snitch. He's he is, um, like, he, he needs amazing. to be in a padded room with some medication. I mean, he is just <laughs> scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, Robbie McKay is, I mean, that kid, kudos to Veronica Collins-Rooney, everybody in the casting department for finding him. Kudos to Robbie himself for having such a great performance. And I also want to give props to Jared Gilmore, too, because I, I really feel like, as briefly as we see Henry, he is really bringing his A game. I'm really feeling for Henry's situation right now. And I actually mm-hmm. like Henry as a character. I want to see more of his interaction with Pan and the Lost Boys. I mean, I really want to see, you know, more of that. I mean, especially after, you know, when Pan was having him shoot the apple off of the Lost Boy's head. I mean, that was like a, totally a metaphor for, you know, shooting his love for his parents because, you know, apples falling far from the tree you know, Regina's right. thing with Apple, he is Emma's Apple, that kind of a thing. Like, and plus, too, with Amy, with what you were saying, with Henry being the truest believer, he said in An Apple Red as Blood to Emma in season one, right before he bit the turnover, you know, you may not believe in me, but I believe in you. And then he bit it. So I really am having a hard time believing that Henry doesn't believe in his parents anymore. Like, Although I think that it would be a, a really – because it also plays in the panful thing. Like, if Henry is the heart of the truest believer, right, he is the truest believer, right. and he's the one who's going to save magic, why are you trying to make him not believe? Because that's only going to go against your goal. So exactly. it, yeah, it, it made me – yeah, so it makes me wonder what's going on there and, and, you know, with everything else and just, yeah, there's so much potential there too. Um mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the I history like with... Garrett God, such a great episode. Go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, I like what Gareth just posted in the chat room. He said, I think Henry is playing Pan. Henry's a smart kid. He is a smart kid, and that's why I think that he's not going to buy into this Pan shenanigans. He, if he starts acting exactly. like he is, I agree with Gareth. I think Henry's playing it, and he's just waiting to be rescued. Because he knows that's not him. Maury said, who knew Peter Pan would turn out to be Damien? Like, <laughs> from the Omen? <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, oh, boy. Don't... Yeah, he, he is, too. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really, that whole of Neverland, the story that they've cooked up, I mean, it's just, it is such a return to form for the show back to season one. I mean, I've never been in love with Once Upon a Time more, I think, than I am right now. I mean, it it kind of went, you know, a little haywire for season two. There was a lot that they had to kind of get through with that. But now that we're back mm-hmm. at season three and Neverland, it's just, I mean, every week it seems like it's better and better. I mean, I, I, right. I, I'm loving this season so far. And, and, yeah. All right. So we've got a couple of things here. We're almost out of time. I've only got about a little less than ten minutes left. So um, let me see. I'm going to try and open it up for callers here. Let me see if I can get somebody on the line. One second. I just want to get one quick little comment in here from somebody. Maybe not. Maybe so. Apparently not. It's not in the cards for us. So for the people who are calling in, we are experiencing technical problems right now, and I am not able to bring you guys on the line. I really do apologize for that. Um, try to make sure that we have that together for next week. So please don't lose faith in us. Believe in us. I promise we'll have it ready for next week. <laughs> this is only our second time out, so please forgive us for our growing pains here. So, all right. Um, 
as we're wrapping it up, does anybody have any, you know, last-minute comments, good jokes, anything they want to talk about? Really, I mean, anything, Wonderland, Once Upon a Time, Enchantacon, anything as we wrap it up. I just want to say that if I was just going to say, if any of the fans are coming to Enchantacon that are listening, we are going to have things that we're giving away, and we're going to Disney well, most of us on and off on different days, but we'll be at Disney for that whole week beforehand. So if they're out there oh, yeah. for the con and you guys want to meet up or something, you know, keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, let us know. And we'll, we're definitely interested in meeting as many of the fans out there as possible. Yes, that's true. I'm just going to kind of go through that. Um, myself, me, Zach, um, Gareth, Chris, and Maury will all be in Disney World starting on Tuesday. Um, and then we will have other staff members kind of starting to join us in, um, you know, later on through the week. Um, all of us will be there on Friday evening as well as Saturday for the panel. So if any of you, you know, want to get together, we will be walking around Disney World, various parks, the entire week. We would love to get together with you all, like you just said. So, you know, if there's anybody coming, you want to hang out, you want to go on some rides, we are totally down for that. So, yeah, that would be that would be so fun. Yeah, like Lori just said, come join us as Once Upon a Fan takes over Disney. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. I also want to bring up a comment that Gabriel said earlier in the chat room, too. He said that he's hoping that eventually Regina, Rumpel, and Emma will come together and just blast Pan Smirk right off his face with some magic, which I think would yes. be, oh, my gosh, that's a whole other thing we might have to talk about next week. Because Emma yeah, does have, she note. is magical. She can use magic. So I wonder if that will come into play. Coming up soon. Do you see what Maury just said? <laughs> yeah, she mentioned that uh, in, or at the con that she was going to be using some magic soon. Yeah, I can't. I really, I can't. And plus, because what I'm excited about, what I think is such a, not only a twist on the relationship between everybody else, but the fact that the evil queen will be teaching Snow White's daughter how to use magic is just too uh, delicious. It's, it's like an yes, apple turnover. Yes. It's just too damn delicious. I love it. Love it. Love it. Ooh. Yeah. Like, like, I like that Mari. And then the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mari is called Neverland Birth Control Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's kind of, well, it's kind of true, really, because, I mean, with I all those kids running around, I mean, I would hope that Charming and, you know, Snow are looking at each other like, do you really want to, would you ever want to do this? I don't, I don't, no, we're good with Emma. Let's just keep it the adult. Like, They're like, we're good. <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing that I thought was interesting, too, one other quick note about the episode was when Neil was talking to Rumpel and he yells at him, you know, because Rumpel called him Bay the whole time, Balefire Bay the whole time. And Neil was mm-hmm. like, it's Neil. Like, it almost was like, that was, that was Neil. That was his way of, of basically telling his dad, you need to recognize me as a man because I am not a little kid anymore. And it totally right. played to the flashback portion of it where that's exactly what was going on. Bay was trying to assert his own personality on his life and go do what he wanted to do. And, you know, Rumpel wasn't having it. And so I was just like, I, I mean, I loved that because he was basically, you know, telling his dad that he needs to accept that. But it also made me wonder, like, if he was, you know, reaffirming to himself that he is no longer 
that that he's no longer the lost boy balefire who went to Neverland. That he found himself, and that you know now he's Neil and and everything else. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting scene because that was I mean that's what I got out of it anyway. Like he I mean it was kind of a two part thing. Like he was trying to tell Rumple recognize me for who I am, but also telling himself you know you are this person now. Like you're not you're not the kid you used to be like be strong almost like, I don't know. What do you, anybody have any thoughts like that? Or did anyone like that scene at all? I agree. I mean, I think that it played also to the fact that Rumpel didn't see him as, you know, mature enough to make that decision and say he was going to go home with him uh, when he was a child and he had run off with Pan, you know, he, he chose to see him as this little boy. He had to protect, he had to make all the decisions and, it, it it mirrored that for me. I felt like that's what that scene reminded me of. He didn't trust him to make any decisions. He wanted to care for him like he was a child then, and he didn't ask him, you know, will you come home with me? He just took him home away from Pan. And then in that moment, exactly. you know, he's like, no, I, this is what's going to happen. I'm Neil. I'm not this little boy. This is who I am. Yeah, exactly. All right, on that note, I do have to wrap it up because we have less than a minute left. We've got about 50 seconds, so we're in the last minute. So thank you to all of our listeners who are listening to our podcast this week, and thank you to everybody who is participating in the, in the uh, chat room. We really appreciate your comments as well. promise we'll try to incorporate more of everybody's thoughts into this as we move along. Uh, we will be back next week, uh, same time, Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, I think it's like 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning in London. So if you happen to be around Gareth Hughes in his neighborhood and you want to listen, you want to stay up late, that's about what time it will be airing in the UK. Oh, no, it will be um, otherwise, you know, we'll be here um, next week. We'll be reviewing just like we did this week. Um, you know, the episode that will air um, on Sunday, we'll be reviewing Thursday's episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Um, and then any of the other, you know, latest news that we have, um, going to try and get some more theory discussion in there. We've got 10 seconds left, so that's going to be it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to call in, again, next week, number 347-677-1653, onceuponafans.com, Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Thank you very much for your time, everybody. Enjoy your night. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.